Well, good morning, Cedar Creek Church. Good morning. Good morning. It is great to see you here on our Banks Mill campus. Thrilled to be with you guys at the West Campus in the Ridge and those of you who are joining us on live stream. It is wonderful to be worshiping with you today. And my name is Danny and I'm the campus pastor here at our Banks Mill campus. And I have an opportunity to share God's word today. And so I am really excited about that. Appreciate Pastor Philip giving campus pastors and others an opportunity from time to time to speak. It's always a thrill and a great responsibility to do this. So I am really, really excited about today. Also excited because we are wrapping up a long journey through the book of Romans. Over these last seven or so weeks, we've been exploring different passages and verses throughout the book of Romans. And so today we wrap everything up. And what I'd love to do is to take some time this morning and go through and recap each week's message for you and give you that overview. But I'm kind of selfish and God has given me a lot to share this morning. So here's what I'm gonna do instead. I'm gonna direct you to our website, to our app, to you version, or to YouTube rather, and you can catch past messages there, and also encourage you if you're new or you've fallen behind, uh, read through the book of Romans, and don't try to do it overnight, because it is a very in-depth, sometimes very hard to understand book. I want to encourage you to be reading through that and allowing God to speak to you, because this has been a great, great journey that we've been on, and as I said today, I get to wrap that up. So here we go, fasten your seatbelts, because we're going to move pretty fast today, and one of the things, I'll go ahead and just make a disclaimer to start with today. Today's message is primarily for those people who already have a relationship with Jesus, um, and you'll see why in just a minute. But I do think there's some amazing truths for all of us here today. So whether you're here today just exploring Jesus and checking this thing out, or you're beginning to wonder, hey, do I need to enter this relationship with Jesus, or you're starting that journey, or well into it, wherever you are, I think God's going to speak to you today if you'll open your mind and heart to him. So again, really excited about today's message. I guess in one way I'm excited. Another, another way I'm not, because this is a tough message, because you'll see on your program this morning that you got when you came in or that you find on your phone or on your iPad. Today's message is it's not about me. And this is so countercultural because we live in a world that pumps it to us all the time. It is about you. It's about your happiness. It's about your fulfillment. It's about making sure that you have everything that you want and that you need. And what I would say to you today is we're going to kind of push against that because once we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, it's not all about us. And so while there's a lot of different chapters I could go through today, these last few chapters I'm going to really be focusing in on are going to be chapters 14 and a little bit in verse 15. So you'll know where we're going with that. And again, we're going to go ahead and get started because I have a lot that I want to share with you today. And to begin with, um, let's just go right to your outline today. And as we talk about this whole idea, it's not about me. The first thing I'll tell you is if it's not about you, don't judge. Don't judge other people. And this is so, so easy to do in this culture that we live in to judge other people. Let me just read for you Romans 14, 4 as we get started. And God's word says this, who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. One of the things that's so important to do in scripture is to understand the context of verses. So what I want to do is take just a second because that verse in and of itself, uh, there's a lot of truth there, but when we understand why it's there, it helps us a lot. And so that what's happening here is Paul is writing um, to just a world where it's basically Jews and Gentiles. And if you're a Gentile, if you're not a Jew, and one of the things you need to understand is that there was a battle going on at this time because the Jews were 
um, a nation that followed rules. It was all about following a bunch of rules. Some of those were dietary rules that these verses talk about. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are over 613 rules that the Jews had to follow. And just do an online search on that today and you'll see some of the different things and the rules that they were following. But again, some of those had to do with diet, certain meats to eat, certain meats not to eat. And so they were having to deal with that. On the other hand, you have the Gentiles and the Gentiles, it wasn't that strict for them. There weren't a bunch of dietary laws they had to follow. There weren't a bunch of holy days that they had to follow. It was much more, there was a lot more freedom there. And so what Paul is doing when he's writing this is basically saying, don't judge people about where they are, whether it's about the food they eat or the, the holidays that they follow, the, the holy days they follow, or whether they don't eat certain foods and don't follow these. He's saying, don't judge all that. It's, that's not what it's about. And so just understand, and again, I would encourage you to read this. That's kind of where this verse is coming from is just that whole idea of don't judge other people based on those things. And one of the things we see in these verse, in this verse that first, the very first thing we see is this whole idea of to condemn. And that word condemn simply means don't judge people, don't call into question, don't look down on people. And again, in our culture, this is so hard for us not to do, but we're encouraged not to do that. And specifically here, Paul talks about this whole idea of don't condemn someone else's servants. And I even wanna take it further than that to say God's servants, those who have a relationship with Jesus. We don't need to be judging one another. We are God's servants and we need to respect that and understand we're all in different places and God's working in different ways in all of our lives. And it's important that we don't become judgmental in that process. And I also love the fact that, he, that Paul even goes on to say, you know, it's God's responsibility to judge. And toward the end of those verses, he simply says that with the Lord's help, we're going to stand and we're going to receive his approval as we do what God's called us to do. And that's not worrying about the other person. It's what God's called us to do. And are we being faithful to what he's told us that we need to be doing? And that's the important thing for us to understand as we get into this. Focus on what God's doing in your life and love other people and don't judge where they are and don't judge the things God's working on in their life and how God may be directing them. Now, with that being said, I wanna get practical for just a minute and really look at, okay, what do those verses mean for us in 2022? How do those play out in our lives? And some of the things that came to my mind as I sat at my desk thinking about this, uh, just ways that we can be guilty of judging people. One is in how we understand scripture. You know, one of the things that came to my mind almost immediately is the whole idea of drinking. And you know, a lot of people in this today, and th well, even in this room right now, there's probably some of you that would say, you know what, it's not right for a Christian to drink. They just shouldn't do that. And others of you say, you know, the Bible says don't get drunk. So as long as I'm not being drunk, you know, it's okay for me to drink. And there's a battle going on there. We don't need to judge each other on that. You have to do what God's laid on your heart. For me personally, I'll tell you, for 20 plus years, I worked in student ministry. And my wife and I were very, very careful that we, that we just didn't drink. And it was just because we had a conviction at that point, students can justify anything. And so if they see their student pastor and his wife out drinking, could it give them the idea it's okay for them to drink even though they're not legal, even though they shouldn't do it, they're teenagers and they'll use anything for justification. So we didn't do that. 
Now that I'm out of student ministry, you may be around town sometime and I may be having a beer or something like that. And what I'm trying to tell you in doing that is if that's going to be in any way a stumbling block to somebody, we're going to talk about that for a minute, then I would not do that. But the, the thing I'm trying to get us to understand is that we're all in different places. And at that point, there was a reason I didn't do it. And there was a conviction of why I didn't do it. Now I'm in a different place and I, and I might do that. But I'm careful to always make sure that I always am in control, that God's spirit's in control, that his spirit lives in me, and that I can make the choices I need to make, do the things I need to do, and do it and honor God through what I'm doing. So what I want you to understand is it's easy for us to, to judge things like drinking, maybe views on the end time. You know, there are thick, thick books that are out from commentators dealing with the end times. And if you know much about scripture at all, you may have your own view about what the end times are gonna look like. And what I would say to you is we shouldn't be judging each other about our view of the end times or about our view of tongues or our view of baptism or our view of, of the Sabbath or music. Those aren't things that we need to be getting in these huge debates about. There's some core things absolutely that we need to be together and, and united on, but there's a lot of other things out there that are gray areas that we have to be careful not to judge each other on. And it's so easy for us to do that. I think about the fact it's also easy to judge appearances, to just look at somebody and make a quick judgment about them. I'll never forget some of the things I heard when Cedar Creek first started. And it was a church that was going to reach people that the normal church wouldn't reach. It was, we're going to reach people who were struggling and who were going through heartache and struggles. And when you came in the doors here, you didn't have to be all together and have a suit on. It was okay to come here in blue jeans or shorts or flip-flops because it wasn't about the appearance. It was about what the heart and what God's doing in your heart. And I hear early on that Cedar Creek was almost looked at as a cult because we would allow that to happen. But what we know is God's concerned with the heart, not appearance. And so sometimes we can be guilty of that, of judging that way. And I'll just tell you, if you're new to Cedar Creek, take a deep breath and relax because appearance is not what we're all about. We want you to come in and join a lot of people who are stumbling closer and closer to Jesus, but we make a lot of mistakes along the way. And so I would tell you, take a deep breath and join us because we're all in there together. and We don't have it all together. We're struggling just like you. As a pastor, as our senior pastor, Philip, anybody that stands up here will tell you, we're, we're just like you. We go through the same things you go through. We have our failures. Our lives aren't these great things that you should model your life after. Yes, we're trying to live like Jesus. And yes, hopefully you could do that, but we still mess up and we still make mistakes. So I want you to know that we can be guilty of judging appearance. We can be judge, judgmental in on the mistakes that we've made. You know, a lot of times it's easy to look at somebody else's mistakes and jump on them for that and really ride them hard. I can't believe they made that decision. I can't believe they made that choice. I can't believe they did that. And yet we never stop to think, you know what? I make my mistakes. I mess up at times. So it's easy to look and again, judge other people because of the mistakes they made or maybe just the behavior of children or adults. And we look at what they do and we're just appalled. I can't believe that child did. I can't believe that adult did that. And at the end of the day, we can judge and it's so easy for us to do that. So one of the things I wanna challenge you to do on that very first point there is to look with me and how do we stop judging? Let's apply this for a minute. If it's not about me and I'm supposed to be looking and loving other people, not being judgmental, what does that look like? A couple things I'll tell you. First of all, one of the things that came to mind is that we would see people like Jesus sees them that we would see people like Jesus sees them. You know, I think this would take care of so many of our issues and problems today if we would just slow down 
and look at that person who we may not agree with about everything, but we would just see them like Jesus sees them. And how does Jesus see them? He sees them as a, a valuable creation of his. He sees them of someone, of someone of great worth, someone that he died for, someone that he wants to help make their life better, make them more like him, and would just value people. And I wonder today if we could see people like that, would we quit judging them? If we just saw their value and their worth and saw them like Jesus. Or how about this? We just remember that we're broken. Absolutely, every one of us. Scripture is very clear. None of us are righteous, not even one. So all of us have our flaws. All of us make mistakes. All of us are sinful. And a lot of times for me, I don't know about for you, it's a whole lot easier when I remember, you know what, Danny, you make mistakes. You do things that dishonor, that, that cause God to be uh, shameful of you and to be, uh, and you do things that dishonor him. And so when I remember that, I'm a little bit slower to judge somebody else because I remember, you know what, I need that grace and I need that mercy from God. And then a third one that to me is just huge is to connect with other people. One of the things I find is it's awfully easy to judge people before I get to know them, before I get to know their story, but before I begin to understand what they believe and why they believe what they believe. It's so easy to be hard on them and make that judgment. But when you sit down across from somebody and you begin to talk to them, and you begin to invest in them, all of a sudden you begin to understand them a little bit more. And it becomes a lot harder to judge them because there's that relationship there. So I wanna encourage you to begin to build relationships with people for the ultimate goal of helping them find their way back to God, absolutely, but also because they just matter and they're important and they're valuable. And as you build those relationships, it becomes a lot easier to be non-judgmental. So, I want you just to remember as we go into this, the first thing as we think about the whole idea of it's not about me is that we don't need to judge. That's not what it means uh, to be a Christ follower. A second thing we need to look at is this whole idea of living for the Lord. You and I need to live for the Lord. And this is a really, really important point that I want to uh, focus on for just a second because it's so easy for us again to get in this pattern and this thinking that this life is all about us and about our happiness and about our pleasure. I wanna share a couple verses with you that are gonna remind you whose we are. The first one comes out of Psalm 139 and it's verses um, 13 and 14. And listen as I read these and they'll be on the screen. But God's word says, you made all of the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. We need to understand today, whether you like this idea or not, or you even believe this or not, God's word says that he created you. Because he created you, you're his. And he says here, he made all of your delicate inner parts. He knit you together in your, in your mother's womb that you were made wonderfully complex. His workmanship is marvelous and is a creation of you. So you need to know today, you're God's. He created you and you're his. The other verses I would direct you to are over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. God's word says this, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Listen to this, you do not belong to yourself for you were bought with a high price so you must honor God with your body. Your body, and, and again, God has bought you. He not only created you, but he bought you when Jesus went to the cross. He bought each one of us today. Whether we want to acknowledge that or not, he has paid a price for you. 
And he wants you to be his and you are his. And he wants you to understand that. So we need to grasp today when this verse talks about living for the Lord in verses seven and eight, that we really do need to live for him. And and just listen to the power of these verses as I read those to you, because I love these. Verses seven and eight say this. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, listen, we belong to the Lord. And we belong to him because he created us and he bought us. And that's so important. And I would ask you this morning to just think with me for just a minute about your life. And who is it that your life is showing you belong to? Let me, let me t- explain what I mean to you. Does your life look like and does your life belong to you? Danny, what are you talking about? Just examine your life for a minute and think about how you live. Is everything in your life about you? The money you spend, the time that you spend, the interesting things that you do with your time, are all of those things just focused on you? And does your life just revolve around you? Or maybe today, if you have children, um, do you live in a, a, a kid-centric family where everything revolves around your children? even to the extent of coming to church, serving at church, doing what God's called you to do, is everything around your children. And are your children your God? Are those the ones you're serving? Because you're doing everything for them, which don't get me wrong, it's great to do things for your children. I get that. But are they the ones that you're actually worshiping? And look at your life and just see, is my whole life consumed with nothing but my children? Because if so, that's a problem because we're to live for the Lord first and primarily, and he will direct and help us figure out how to do the rest of it. Or maybe for some of you, are you living for your spouse, for your friends? Maybe some of you today are living for your employer, and you're living for your employer simply because you've gotten yourself in a place that between houses and cars and vacations and clothes and those type things, that you have to have the money that you make to survive. It takes every penny, your paycheck to paycheck, because you're living such a lifestyle that requires that. And so you're living for your employer, living for that career just to pay those bills. And I would say to you today, God would say, stop, pray. Let me help you figure out how to release some of that so there's some freedom there and you can live for me. Because again, that's his passion and his desire that we would live for him. And the list goes on and on. Are you living for money, for possessions? Or maybe some of you today are saying, you know what, Danny, I'm in a place right now where I'm living for God. And if so, man, that is awesome that you understand whether you live, whether you die, you're God's. And if you're there today, that is wonderful. And I celebrate that with you. But I know for a lot of us, this is something that we struggle with. Think about this with me for just a minute. Suppose that it's your funeral and a pastor is standing over your casket. And I wonder today if that pastor were standing over your casket, would you prefer him to talk about your life simply as being your life and something you did to simply continue to gain pleasure and enjoyment for yourself? Or would you rather for that pastor to stand over your casket and talk about how you love Jesus and how you did everything you could to honor and please and glorify him? And would you like for him to stand over your casket and talk about all of the great things that you did and the way that you loved and you served other people? You know, I don't know about you, but for me, I really don't want him to talk that much about me. I would rather him talk about, hey, Danny lived for the Lord. He was passionate for the Lord. He made sure that day by day that he was elevating and he was living and he was honoring God and he was serving other people. Sacrifices to himself, but he loved people. That's where I want to be. And as believers, I think that's where God wants us to be, not living for ourselves, but that we would be living for him. 
So what does this look like practically? How can you begin to live for the Lord? Just a few things that came to my mind. One is to begin to spend time with him. I was in student ministry for a lot of years. And one of the things I often talk to students about is your relationship with God is just like your relationship with your best friend. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? Well, the more time you spend with your best friend, the more you know that person. what they like, what they don't like. You even begin to know how they think, how they're gonna respond to things. You just, you know them. And what I would say to you today is our relationship with God's like that. Don't make this hard. This is just a day-by-day journey with him of spending time with him, pouring out your heart to him, allowing him to speak to you, studying his word, allowing him to, to help you understand how he thinks and what he wants. And as we do that, all of a sudden we start realizing, you know, hey, this is what God wants me to do in this situation. This is how God wants me to handle this. And we begin to know his heart and what his passion is as we spend time with him. So one of the things I wanna encourage you to do as we think about this and living for the Lord is just begin to spend time with him. Another thing I put down here is focus on what's important to him. What's important to God? There's a lot of things that are important to God, but two things come to my mind. The great commission and the great commandment. The great commandment to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love others as we love ourselves. And so to be passionate about God and to be passionate about other people, that's important to him that we love him and we love other people. And then the great commission is that we go make disciples. That's who Cedar Creek Church is. Our very mission is helping people find their way back to God. We're going to make disciples to bring people back into a relationship with God, people that he's created. And our very, the verse that, that our whole mission is founded on is the fact that once we know Jesus, we become reconcilers and we're bringing people back to God. And so that's what we need to be doing. We need to be living for him and we need to be focused on loving people and helping people come back into a relationship with him. Another thing I thought about living for the Lord is serving him. And that's serving him here and serving him out in the community, but looking for those places and saying, God, where do you wanna use me? And just making ourselves available for him to use wherever he wants to. And the cool thing is this, there's no insignificant place that God will call you. It may seem insignificant to you, but to God, it is incredibly important that you do what he's gifted you to do and called you to do. And he's gonna use you right there to make a difference for his kingdom. So if you don't have a place to serve, let us help you find that place to serve because it's a way that you live for God and you honor him is by serving him. And then the last couple I thought about is talking about God. You know, some of you are in situations right now walking with people who are going through really, really hard times. And you'll sit there and you'll listen to them and you'll talk to them. And maybe God's nudging you. You know what? Tell them you'll pray for them. Ask them if you could pray for them right now. Share how I worked in your life in this situation. Give them some hope in this. And you withhold that because you think, oh, they're gonna laugh at me or they're not gonna appreciate that. And what I would say to you is under God's guidance, begin to say, God, how can I talk about you to the people you've placed in my life? Whether it's at work, on the ball field, whether it's my next door neighbor, how can I begin to talk to them and help them understand there's a God that loves them and is passionate about them? So we can live for him by talking about him. And then another one I thought about is just praying for an eternal perspective. I don't know about you, but it is so easy for me to get caught up in the temporal things of life and act like they're important. But the truth is, most of the things that we deal with in life and most of the things that we focus on in life really aren't that important. And I say that simply because at the end of the day, they're either gonna be gone, we'll have gotten through them or worked through them, or at the end of the day, they're just not eternal. We don't focus on the things that are eternal, like our relationship with God, 
helping other people find their way to God and helping them have a relationship with God and those type relationships that are eternal, it's so easy to get focused on the temporal things. So begin to pray and say, God, I wanna live for you. Help me to focus on the things that matter most because as we start doing that, God's gonna help us weed away a lot of the other stuff and get focused on what really, really matters. So as we talk about this whole idea of it's not about me, first of all, we don't judge. Second of all, we live for the Lord. The third thing we do is don't be a stumbling block. Don't be a stumbling block. Verse 13 says this. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. So let's talk from a stumbling block. What is that? First of all, a stumbling block is just an obstacle that causes somebody to trip or to fall. So if I take it out of a, a spiritual sense, that could be a shoe that's in the floor that's a stumbling block to somebody. That could be something as simple as an uneven curb could be a stumbling block. It could be darkness. There's a lot of different stumbling blocks. But when we talk about this spiritually, what I'm talking about is leading someone to sin or leading someone away from what God wants to do in their life. And we're called in this passage not to be a stumbling block. If I had time, I would look at verses 14 through 23 with you because what you would see there, Paul elaborates on this whole idea of a stumbling block. And he basically says, if something's wrong for you, don't do it. For you, don't do it because God said to you, that's something that you don't need to be involved in. If somebody else is dealing with something in their life and you know it's a stumbling block for them, but you feel like it's okay for you to do, still don't do it because that's a stumbling block to them. So withhold from doing that in order to help them. And so he unpacks what it would look like. And so again, I would challenge you to go into verses 14 through 23 and read that a little bit deeper as you have time. But it's important we understand that we're not to be a stumbling block to other people. And that can be so easy for us to do. And, and what am I talking about? Well, let's get real personal for a minute. One of the ways it's easy for us to be a stumbling block is to be a hypocrite. And this to me is one of the biggest stumbling blocks that we as a church face. So much so, a month ago, six weeks ago, I went to go see the Atlanta Braves play baseball and my wife and I were taking an Uber from our hotel to the stadium and then also from the stadium back. Both drivers of those vehicles, as I was talking to them, we began to, as we were just conversing, I began to you know, just try to move this a little bit into a spiritual conversation. So I asked them, you know, how long you been doing this? Pick their brains. And of course they said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. I'd open the door. I said, do you guys go to church? The first, both of the drivers said to me, no, we don't go to church. And interestingly enough, both their stories were the same. I asked them, why don't you go to church? And they said, well, church has just got a bunch of hypocrites in it. What we see is people on Sunday that we would go to church with, that they're all holy and doing all these things. And all of a sudden we turn around and the rest of the week, they live no different than we do. As a matter of fact, a lot of them live lives totally different than what we do even. And so it really confused these guys. And I could tell they were being sincere and genuine with me. They didn't want to go to church because the people that they saw in church were hypocrites. And they really, really struggle with that. And it's, again, one of the biggest reasons I hear people aren't in church is because other people are hypocritical. And again, they still have to deal with that on God and that's between them and God and no church is perfect, I get that. But I think sometimes we make it hard for people to come in here because we wanna look one way on Sunday and walk out those doors and live like everybody else the rest of the week. And when we do that, that is extremely, extremely confusing to people. I also think about the way that we can judge people. 
again, people come in the door and we make these quick judgments about them. And I'll just tell you, one of the things I love about Cedar Creek, more so than any church I've ever worked in, is that we get this and we understand we're here to love people. We're not here to judge people. We're here to not be that stumbling block for them. And so when you come in the door here, it's okay to not be okay. None of us want you to stay there. And as a staff in a church, we want to help move you and get you closer and closer to Jesus. But you need to understand, we're all struggling, as I said earlier in the message. And so when you come through the doors, uh, we're not looking to judge you. We're looking to love you where you are. And I hope that you found that to be the case as you came through these doors, that we understand God is working in all of us. And we're all that masterpiece that he's continuing to mold and shape. And we're coming along together to do this. And so for us, uh, we don't want to be a judging place. And so if you've come in the doors and your life is all together, you're probably not going to be comfortable here because we deal with things and we love people that a lot of churches don't love. But we're going to teach God's word and we're going to pray that God uses us to help them be drawn closer to him and to take that next step to him. And then we can do things being like unforgiving to people and unloving. So there's a lot of different ways that we can be a stumbling block. I would just sum it up this way. Anything that you and I do in word or behavior that pushes people away is a stumbling block. And this is so important for a couple reasons. First of all, when you and I are a stumbling block, we actually make knowing Jesus a challenge. And if you don't believe me, just walk around the world that you live in and talk to people about a relationship with Jesus, about church. And a lot of them are going to have been scarred by the church because of the way that we live and we don't live differently than them. And we fit in with them. And a lot of times we even act different than they do, that we're out there doing things they're not even doing. So we have to be careful and understand that we can make Jesus a challenge when we're a stumbling block for other people. Also, when we're a stumbling block, we push people away. We just push them further and further away because they don't see that consistency and they don't see that our word and our actions match up. And we cause people to be confused about God and what it means to be a Christ follower. They just don't know. Because again, there's nothing different about your life than my life. So how do I know there's any worth and value in following this person, Jesus, that you talk about? You know, I was reminded as I was studying this point of a passage over in Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus is talking here and listen to what he says. The first part of this is dealing with children, but I want you to still listen closely to it. God's word says, but if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of of the sea. That's Jesus speaking. If you cause a little one to stumble, it would be better for that millstone to be tied around your neck and you drown at sea. But then he goes on to say this, what sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrows await, listen to this, the person who does the tempting. And so when I think about that, when you and I tempt other people, when you and I become a stumbling block to other people, I believe with all of my heart, there's great sorrow awaiting us. God does not take that lightly. Anytime we cause it it to be harder for someone to get to him than it should be, that's a big deal then because he paid a price for that person to be in a relationship. He died on the cross for them and it's a big deal that they're in a relationship with him. So if we're a stumbling block, we need to be careful because there are consequences for being a stumbling block in someone else's life. So how do we keep from being that stumbling block? How can we remove that stumbling block? A few things I thought about that you might want to jot down. One is just keep your eyes on Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I keep my eyes on Jesus, things go a whole lot better. When I try to take over, things never work out well. I'm having to apologize to people. It's not a good effort that I put forth. 
I'm always hurting somebody along the way. And so I'm just saying, one of the things that we can do to not be a somebody is just keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Because as we're focused on him, he's gonna help us know how to deal with people. He's gonna help us know how to love people. He's gonna help us to know how to help them make their next step. So keep our eyes on Jesus is one way. Another one is accept responsibility for helping others to Jesus. Accept responsibility for helping others find their way to Jesus. And this is a big one. Because I think as believers, sometimes we want to shy away from people and just act like, well, they, that's their life. They need to deal with that. They need to handle that. And what I would say to you is, no, God puts us in people's lives for a reason. And you cross paths with people for a reason. I don't think it's by chance. I think it's by purpose that God has ordained you. If you're a Christ follower, he puts people in your path for a reason. And we need to accept responsibility for helping those other people to Jesus and not be selfish which is gonna mean sometimes having to have hard conversations. One of the things I so admire about my daughter is that um, she is someone who takes this seriously and she loves her friends and she has a passion for her friends. And it is common, I'll tell you, it's so common as yesterday afternoon sitting at our table listening to her talk to one of her friends about some decisions that were being made. And I'll tell you, in love, and her friends know they love her, but they also know she will be in their face in a minute if they do dumb things. And so from time to time, she has to get in their face about things and and she knows they may get in her face about things. But at the end of the day, she's willing to take responsibility. She loves those friends. She's not worried about breaking a friendship. So in love and gentleness, she'll go to them and she'll confront whatever it is that she needs to confront. And I so admire that about her because at times I can be the one that just says, you know what, we'll just give it time. We'll pray, we'll do this. And no, she goes after it and she's serious about that. And I think God calls us to do that at his leading and his prompting. And then the final thing in this one application I thought about was just, and this is kind of what I was talking about just a minute ago, confront issues in love and gentleness. Don't walk away from them. If somebody you love and care about and somebody that God's placed before you is doing things they don't need to do, we need to approach that. Not that we have it all together, not that we're perfect, but we need to do it in love and gentleness to help them work through that thing. Because all of that is part of not being that stumbling block. So if it's not about me, our lives are gonna not be judgmental. We're gonna live for the Lord. We won't be a stumbling block. And then the fourth one is we're gonna build others up. In chapter 15, verse two, Paul says this, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. Listen to that again. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. Now, what does that look like? What what are we talking about here? Well, rather than being a stumbling block, we need to help build people up. We need to help them do what's right and we need to help them grow in their relationship with God. A good biblical word for this is to edify. We just need to help people move along. We need to help them take that next step. And no matter how small that next step is, it's important and it's significant and we need to be willing to do that. As I thought about this point, I started really stopping to think about, Danny, what do we do? What do you do to tear people down? And so I started thinking about some of the things. Sometimes we can ignore people's weaknesses. We can know that this person's struggling in this area or that area, and we just ignore that. We either walk them into what that weakness is, or when they're struggling with that weakness, we don't really help them with whatever it is they're struggling with. And it's easy for us to do that at times in just convenience and not wanting to have those tough conversations. Sometimes we tear each others down by not stopping gossip about them. We probably all have friends at times that um, are struggling and going through difficulties and things start getting circulated about them and, and we're not always quick to stop that and to go and say, hey, stop what you're saying. Let me go find out about this or just stop what you're saying. If you have that issue, let's go to them together. 
but instead we allow that gossip to continue and we're tearing them down rather than building them up. We talk about people behind their backs. We're not willing to confront when things are going on in their life that shouldn't be going on or sometimes just a a hypocritical lifestyle. And so those are just some of the different ways we are, can be guilty of tearing other people down. So the flip side of that is if we don't want to tear them down, how do we build people up? How do we build other people up? A few things I thought about as I, as I was thinking about this point, one is to invest in them. When was the last time that you took the time to take somebody to breakfast or lunch or to have coffee with them for the whole idea and whole point of just investing in them? There's somebody God laid on your heart. Maybe they're struggling with things. Maybe they're not as far along in their journey as you are. When was the last time you just took the time to do something with them, to invest in them, to love on them, and to just let them know they were important and valuable? I think that's one of the things we can do to build people up is to just slow down some and quit being so dang busy that we don't have time for other people. Or what about pouring into them? I think about my student pastor growing up. I'm 54 years old, so 16, 17, 18 was a long, long time ago, but I still have a student pastor that checks on me and will, and will speak words into me and pour into me spiritual truths because he loves me and he cares about me and he's building me up as he does that. And I value that so much that he would care about me enough to do that. Or we could do something like putting aside our personal preferences for the good of somebody else. And this one's not easy. This is a tough one to do but putting aside those preferences in order to go and to meet somebody on their term to do the things they need for us to do. So what I want you to think about today is as I wrap things up is this whole idea of it's not about me, that it really is about reaching that next person, loving that next person, being available to be used by God. And are you willing to do that? And so today, maybe one of these things, not judging, living for the Lord, don't be a stumbling block. Build people up. Maybe one of those is really standing out of, uh, for you as something you could start doing today. Or maybe you look at that list and you think, you know what, God, I need to do all of those things. But I just want to remind you today as we wrap up this series that in a great way to wrap it up, that this Christian life, once we meet Jesus, it's not about us anymore. Yeah, God wants us to grow and God wants to be in that relationship with us and we need to do that, but it's also about reaching that next person that God loves and he cares about passionately because they matter to him. So today my prayer and my hope is that God will just speak to you right where you are and help you to know what your next step is as you wrestle with this whole idea of it's not about me. Would you pray with me? Father, I wanna come to you and thank you for our time today. And Father, I wanna thank you for the challenge today from your word to just be reminded that it's not about me. And what I think is so incredible about this message today is that you've showed us what this looks like. You've showed us through your son, Jesus, who while he was your son, Father, he became a servant. And Father, he would do anything for anybody to show your love to them. And he would point them to you. He would share truth and gentleness and love. And he was always available to you. And I pray for each of us that we would live our lives that way, that we would live our lives as servants, that we would live our lives realizing that this life really isn't about us, Father. It's about you and it's about other people. And as we live that way, Father, you give us a contentment and a joy that nothing else can bring to us as we give our lives away. So I pray you would challenge each of us today to look deep in our hearts and to make sure we're living that it's not about me lifestyle and attitude and that we're making a difference for your kingdom. Father, thank you for your amazing love for us. Thank you for the people you've put in our lives that have helped us come to know you. And now I pray you would put us in other people's lives to help them come to know you. And I pray all of these things that Jesus would be lifted up. Amen.